You're listening to More Than A Game, a podcast by Cats Football Press. Another episode of More Than a Game podcast. I'm Tommy, and once again I'm joined by co-host and fellow FFE Metro League Five champion Colby. What a moment! Hello, <laughs> hi. <laughs> Nervous, mate. Um, unfortunately, Andy has failed a late fitness test after injuring himself trying to squeeze into one of his famous skin-tight shirts. But luckily, we've got fantastic squad depth here at the pod. Uh, we're lucky to call upon one of the, the brightest footballing minds from the More Than a More Than a Game Pod Academy, Jesse Farmer. Welcome, Jesse. Thanks, guys. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, the three of us have just gone undefeated this season on the field. Um, we'll continue that theme today with another winner of a podcast. Uh, we'll be discussing last week's Premier League games and then head around the world from Brazil to Miami in discussing world football. Let's get straight into it with our moments of the week. Alrighty, and straight into moment of the week. So, um, Jesse, since you're the guest here this week, uh, we'll throw it straight to you. Over to you, Jesse. Thanks, guys. It's, it's a true honour. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say my moment of the week would have to be Mo Salah's performance for Egypt. Um, Spoken oh, really? true LFC fan. <laughs> oh, you guys are <laughs> no, going to gang up on me tonight, yeah, aren't you? No, listen, you know, no bias at all. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic performance considering the... Uh, Everything that's been going on with the Egyptian FA, um, I thought it showed a lot of character. And has there been some tension there? There's been some tension there. Um, I, I won't uh, won't go into it too much, but um, I think it was pretty mature of him to uh, put in a good performance for the boys. And uh, yeah, what did he get? Two goals, two assists. He did. Uh, he did miss um, the old penalty in there, um, but we won't. You know, who's going? <laughs> but he got two goals as well. Yeah, he got two goals. So yeah, we won't. You're disappointed not to get a hat-trick, I guess. On that. Uh, one other highlight I had was the uh, Stevie G, um, Brendan Rogers derby. Bit of tension there as Bit well, wasn't there? there. Speaking um, of tension. Yeah. <laughs> um, big Brennan got the result. Um, Stevie G's still got a way to go with Rangers. But, they're, yeah. they're going okay, though, aren't they? Like They're not quite yet at Celtic's level. No. But, I mean, it's a, it's a work in progress. He's only been there, what, five games, right. Stevie G? There's only one nil loss, so they're not too far away. Mm. How are the young Liverpool lads looking in the Rangers side? They uh, they were a little underwhelming, um, I have to, <laughs> have to say. Um, the first half particularly, Celtic were all over Rangers. But um, Rangers came to the game a little bit better in the second half. And uh, I think uh, I think it was, we got to see a little more of Ryan Kent and Ajaria and stuff. So. I've never heard of any of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tommy, what stood out for you this week? Um, right, so for me this week, um, it was particularly enjoyable. So um, this week, uh, we're, we're going to the Brazilian league, the Brasileirão, uh, where uh, Serra was playing against my, my team, my family's team, Corinthians. Um, in the 17th minute, it's nil all still and up steps the, the Serra goalkeeper, Everson. Now, um, it's on the edge of the box, his free kick, and he's just absolutely placed it sweetly in the top right-hand corner, beating the uh, the Corinthians goalkeeper. And as it's turned out, Sedars end up going on and, and, and winning the match, 2-1. 
Um, good win for them. Uh, they're struggling down the bottom of the, the table at the moment, but the, the Kuninchians, uh coaches end up getting sacked as well uh, at the end of the game. So, look, um, wasn't, the, wasn't the best game for Kuninchians, but fantastic game for, for Everson, who's really sort of rolled back the clock a little bit and um, reminded us all about of... Uh, remind us all a little bit of Rogério Senni, the uh, the famous Brazilian goalkeeper who holds the record for the most most goals by a goalkeeper. Uh, scored yeah, 131 goals in over 1,200 games, uh, which is actually that's a lot of strikers would be happy with scoring 130 odd um, professional goals. So. Actually, amazing. How do you get that many goals as a goalkeeper? Well, a lot of pens, Set pieces, a lot yeah, of pens, pens but also pieces. a lot of free kicks as well. Is the Mule your knack of uh, Brazilian football? <laughs> Pretty much. I like that. Actually. <laughs> That's still a strong compliment. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to love a, a goalkeeper free kick. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty rare. You just got to make sure you get back into goal by the time the free uh, the the goal uh, sorry the kickoff starting again. That's Otherwise, right. you can look you can get embarrassed really quickly. Hope that there's not a strong breeze when you <laughs> when you're kicking the ball. What about you, Colby? My moment of the week this week uh, is the W League. Uh, the draw came out this week, and it looks like the W League's back, new and improved. Um, so yeah, the draw was announced. The W League kicks off on twenty eighth of October this year. Um, but uh, in addition to that, there were sort of many improvements which a lot of fans had been wanting for the league for a long time, such as increases in pay uh, for the players and salary caps for the teams. Um, there are more standalone games at reasonable times because in seasons past you had you had games kicking off at like four o'clock on a Friday afternoon or something like yeah. that that people just couldn't watch or couldn't go to because of work commitments and or school yeah school <laughs> for kids and things like that so it was you know completely inaccessible good to see a bit of common sense coming back into it um all games are now going to be broadcast albeit on Fox and um the My Football app which is a yeah. Telstra subscription there'll be a few free to air games so. You know, not that many though, which is not ideal, but at least all games are being broadcast somewhere for the first time, so that's great. Um, so yeah, uh, if anyone's looking to sort of read more about the women's game, there's a great sort of uh blog out there called The Women's Game. Um, and yeah, get onto my football and get out to a game because I think you know, supporting supporting that supports football culture in Australia, which we're all sort of after. So I think that's yeah, definitely, definitely moment of the week. Yeah, nice, yeah, I went to the uh FIFA women's um. I can't remember if it was under 18s, 19s a few years ago oh. and uh, in New Zealand. Yep, yep. A few years ago now. And uh, fantastic. Um, $10 a ticket to see USA uh, versus the Korean Republic. And uh, what a game. They're Get a around. pretty good team as well, aren't they, from memory? Correct? The New Zealand team. Yeah. yeah, the New Zealand team's done pretty well over the years. But uh, the USA um, back then were the, were the powerhouse. Yeah, and, still are. Uh, and still are, yeah. Mm. And um, Elite. At $10, mm. <laughs> you know, what a day out. Yeah. Good football play as well. Nice. Absolutely. Anyway, um, moving along now into own goal. Alrighty, and uh, into own goal now. So, uh, Colby, you want to kick us off, please? Yeah, own goal this week uh, is both Twitter and Graham Arnold. So this is um, Twitter's reaction to Timmy Cahill's testimonial match, um, the, the Timmy Derby, uh, <laughs> which, since officially retiring from international football following his final competitive appearance against Peru in the World Cup, um, Timmy's been um, asked to play in a, an international farewell um, when the Socceroos take on Lebanon in Sydney in November, and that's going to be in the lead-up to the 2019 Asian Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And predictably or unpredictably, uh, Twitter outrage has followed the announcement with many fans concerned that playing Tim's going to distract from the Ruse Asian Cup uh, preparations. The, the Twitterati are not impressed. They are not impressed. 
um, which, I mean, is an own goal in itself, but it does <laughs> go further than this. Um, so in an interview with um, Daniel Garb of Fox Sports, um, Graham Arnold's admitted that he was a little bit frustrated by the fan outrage, which is one thing. And then he's actually come out, I think it was today, uh, and just confirms to everybody that Timmy's only going to be getting five minutes plus added time in the friendly, which I guess we probably expected anyway. But the fact that he's even you know, seeing fit to sort of react to that, uh, I just think... Is he bowing already to the outrage? Yes. He's already caved. Exactly. Uh, it's not a good way to start your, your coaching, uh, your, your second stint in charge. And, I mean, the outrage in the, in the first place was bad enough, but, I mean, now it's a bit of a circus. And, I mean... It, this was one of the issues that happened with Graham Arnold last time, was that, like, yeah. he, he couldn't... He didn't do a very good job of sort of managing the media. It was all about how he managed the dressing room as well, yeah. Yeah, and look, I think he's got a much better chance this time of managing the dressing room, but mm. I think he still needs to do a better job of sort of managing managing the circus, which is what it is when it comes to the national national team, but managing that circus around the Socceroos um, and just getting people on board because mm. once once you've got sort of the, the general football public on board, people will go along with you, but it's kind of not a good start, is it? It's difficult for him too because he's inherited um, you know, the situation with Cahill. The way that he was managed at the World Cup uh, by the previous manager, um, I think it's very difficult to uh, compare uh, right now the difference in the management strategies, but I do know that the public had obviously a few issues the way that Cahill was managed at the World Cup, and that's something he's going to have to uh, be aware of going forward. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, yeah, so, so for the farewell in the first place where there was a lot of outrage, I mean, it's great to have a farewell. There's plenty of precedent for that, um, for past greats of the game and, and certainly past Socceroos as well. And no one deserves it more than Timmy. Um, you know, but to, to, to say uh, from the fans' point of view that it's going to mess with Asian Cup preparations is patently ridiculous because, you know, any amount of Timmy time in a friendly uh, is, is not going to uh, do that at all. And if, if they think so, then I think we've got bigger problems. Tommy? Yeah, no, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, what was your All right, own yeah, um, goal? Sorry, my moment. Uh, sorry, my yeah, my moment of the own goalness. <laughs> uh, my own goal this week was uh, to do with Luke Shaw. So he's a guy that's had just terrible luck over the last couple of years. First with the, firstly with that horrific leg break, um, and then uh, he's had at least twelve months of Mourinho absolutely slagging him off. Um, he almost lost a leg um, as a result of that leg leg, leg break, um, and then uh, just this week. He was involved in a uh, a friendly match. <laughs> Not a friendly match. Uh, <laughs> in a friendly, uh, well, sorry, in the UEFA Nations League. Um, Glorified uh, friendly. Yeah. Uh, playing for England against Spain. And obviously, he's just recently been called up for the England team again. Um, and then, yeah, like... Um, plays a delicious through ball through to Rashford. Mm. And uh, then not long after that, he um, cops a, an elbow from Danny Carvajal. And, uh, yeah, goes straight to ground and... Carvajal doesn't exactly look fantastic, is it? it is he doesn't seem to give to hoots about uh, Shaw on the ground, who's God knows what's actually happened to him at this point because he's hurt his neck. It's don't know any more than that. But um, anyway, so uh, as it later turned out, Shaw went to hospital and he seemed to be okay. I don't know if he's going to be able to play next week or something. Yeah. But I mean, this guy has just had horrific luck in the last couple of years, and he's finally getting back to some um, uh, some form. Um, and Mourinho trusts him, and Southgate obviously rates him as well because he's back in the England setup. 
But geez, like when when is he going to have a break and just? Ooh, oh, wrong sorry. Sorry. Words. Yeah. Wrong wrong words. Words. sorry, sorry, yeah. unintended, unintended. I promise. I, I mean, on a on a, <laughs> on a personal level, you, you, what you've covered there, absolutely. Like you have to feel for the guy. I think from a professional sense, I mean, he's he's actually brought something a little bit different to the England team uh, when he was when he and, was and when United he was picked. As well. And United, he, he's a slightly more technical. Um, left back, he does push forward. We know that, um, but I think uh, you've got Trippier on one side. You know, if you're looking at the future of the team, I think Shaw and Trippier would would be a good good combo. Um, yeah. So it's next World Cup right there. Terrible for uh, for the English selectors as well. So um, yeah, hopefully a speedy recovery. Yeah, fair enough. So um, Jesse, what's uh, what's your own goal this week? Uh, mine is uh, Ryan Babel. Um, he he scored a. Uh, yeah, he's got a he's got a really uh, intuitive knee goal off the knee <laughs> for uh, the Netherlands. The old knee goal, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, gee, you know, some people step up in big moments and score a good knee goal. But uh, <laughs> Ryan uh, Ryan Bevel, uh, it's not so much about the knee goal; it was more about the haircut. So we're talking we're talking Dennis Rodman. Um, oh, we're talking uh, bright red. Um, like North Korean red, or yeah, well, no, yeah, Rod, Rod, Rodman's uh, visit to. North Korea red, um, yeah, just just really quite questionable. Um, and somebody's probably going to have to have a word with Ryan after the game. I mean, credit for scoring the goal, but you know, maybe someone should have a have a word with his barber. Where, where's he playing these days? He's That's, a bit of a journeyman, uh, isn't he? You know, yeah. last seen in Turkey, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, anything else? No, that's that's all from me. All right, cool. Uh, all right, moving on, I guess, to uh, last week's EPL games. All right, into the EPL. Now, these games are a little bit old, so we won't sort of uh, uh, hang around too long on them. But we'll Sticklers for completeness here more than a game. <laughs> but uh, there is some interesting talking points. So uh, we'll start with Cardiff versus Arsenal. And now this was an Arsenal team that, uh, for the first time this season, had Aubameyang and Lacazette both starting. Um, and Arsenal got up uh, 3-2 on the road away at Cardiff. Um, look, it's a little bit concerning, I-, I would say, for Arsenal that... Cardiff still managed to get two goals. What, what do you guys think about this? There's, um, does Mr. Deeds uh, need to be concerned about um, his backline, Colby? Tell you what, Mr. <laughs> Deeds needs to have a good look at Petacek. Still looking a bit shaky, and you've got uh, Lino there on the bench, the new signing. Um, when, when's he getting an opportunity? Check reminds me of, of a one-footed player who's always using his wrong foot. Like, he just always looks really uncomfortable. There's also the potential that Peter Cech's missed, uh, missed leg day. Um, <laughs> you know, we had a conversation about this the other day, uh, Colby. The Port Adelaide uh, fitness, fitness coach, coach has been Arsenal uh, working his magic. Mm. That's uh, why he's so ripped. He's a big man. He's ripped. Oh, this is why you want to talk about him, because he's a big man. Hasn't translated in the touch, but, I mean, you know, give him time. Oh, mate, he could clearly run rings around all of those Cardiff blokes. i tell you what, he's, he's in peak <laughs> physical condition. Um, but Surely there's more to talk about other than the size <laughs> of the Czech's rig. Well, I mean, admittedly, Arsenal make shirts, you know, for that kind of thing. You oh, know, they do. It's tight, they do. It's They're all about the tight shirts. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Arsenal's defence. <laughs> yeah, well, it starts at the back, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, like for me, and I guess we'll kind of talk about this a little bit later, but 
Bellerin has been practically playing as a as a winger yeah. like this whole season, and it look they've looked good, like much better than previous seasons with Bellerin down the right. He's been really penetrative um, down that right hand side, getting to the byline, cutting balls back. Um, but geez, they look suspect at the back. Especially they don't look like a size. team that's set up to defend, do they? It doesn't look like Mr. Deeds is going to have them playing in that way. <laughs> Love it. That's his official uh, more, than, more than a game podcast nickname now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and when you've got your your centre backs as who Mustafi and Socrates, uh, and a nineteen year old in front of them defend like and Genduzi in front of them, uh, yeah, you, you you're not really going to be um, a close chop <laughs> up back. That's for sure. Which is a shame because Genduzi's actually been very good, but. Still, I suspect that Arsenal fans who aren't known for their patience um, might only be sort of a few games away from saying, well, maybe we do need a more experienced player playing there who might be able to help sort of shore things up a little bit. Yeah, they've certainly been making noises uh, for Torreo to get more game times uh, on Twitter, that's for sure. Credit to uh, Carter for rattling them up. Um, You know, they hadn't scored... uh, all season. All season. And, um, yeah, they, they uh, came away with a couple of goals and could have scored more. Harriata with a big miss. Yeah, they really could have uh, put the cat amongst the pigeons, couldn't they, if Harder had got that. Mm. Um, anyway, so uh, moving on to, I guess, this was probably the biggest result of the round, which was Watford versus Spurs. So. Another more than a game prediction. <laughs> yeah, we bet, did. Bet your we... house on our, our predictions, <laughs> uh, everybody. So, um, so... Spurs actually failed to score in this game with uh, Decore getting uh, the an own goal uh, for Spurs, which, I mean, Spurs haven't really looked themselves this season. With Kane, I guess, he's still a little bit flat from the World Cup. And there's rumours that he's been sort of carrying uh, that injury from, I think it was pre-World Cup or during the World Cup, and just hasn't really seen himself. Mm. I've been saying for the last couple of weeks that he needs a break, but I'm sort of wondering if we're starting to see um, that. But, I mean, luckily... Uh, Lucas Moura has really been sort of papering over the cracks, I think, a little bit in the last couple of weeks for Spurs. But, um, look, guys, we're going to talk a little bit more about Watford um, when we talk, I guess, a little bit more generally about the Premier League. But was there anything else that jumped out for you guys with this game? I think, you know, just further to your point, I think some of those Spurs players look like they've, you know, they've just walked off the field against uh, um, Belgium? against, Belgium, against Belgium. Yeah, they, they look like they've just... Yeah, or against they, England for the Belgian players? Yeah. Well, I mean, pick pick your game, but they look like they're they're just they're still uh, carrying a few, yeah, a few injuries, and and they don't look. You know, Trippier seems to be coming back into form again, but mm-hmm. um, I that's think... that's World Cup Kieran here on the morning. <laughs> World Cup Kieran, <laughs> Mr. Deeds. Yeah. If, you, if you keep this up, you won't be invited. That's back. that's right. Jeez, you know, so much jargon. But um, yeah, I think I think the the Spurs. I mean. Uh, Ali had a couple of chances. He tried to replicate his wonder goal against <laughs> Crystal Palace a couple of years ago. He tried to do that and couldn't couldn't connect. So, work to do. I think we're also seeing this isn't just the result of last summer, but this is Spurs, um, Spurs's lack of transfer activity over the last couple of seasons. I think it's catching up with them, isn't it? Exactly. They look shagged, and like we're less than a month into the Premier League. Um, anyway, sorry. So uh, on to the final match, uh, which was played last week, which was Burnley versus Man United. Is this just regulation for Man United boys? Regulation Lukaku, back to his best. Yeah, against a... Flat a track bully. To, oh, such a <laughs> flat track bully. So, um, yeah, like he, his record against teams uh, in the top six is so ordinary. But, geez, like you, you almost bet the house on him that he's going to score against a Burnley or a, or a Swansea or a Stoke or something like that. And, no, and another pod favourite, Joe Hart, was actually um, right up there pulling for the man of the match. Yeah, pulling yeah. out um, mm. uh, not only a great save to uh, deny Lukaku a hat-trick, um, but also saved a Pogba pen. And Pogba's <sighs> now 
doing the Pogba run-up, which is no goal. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's no longer a Zaza pen, Man, it's a Pogba pen. It's a pen. Pogba pen. <laughs> <laughs> what a spud. Um, so, I guess the other thing uh, that was really noteworthy from this game was Rashford's red card. Do you guys remember this? Oh, this was mm-hmm. the little, this was the little mm-hmm. love yeah. tap with so, the head, wasn't it? Yeah, look, and I really enjoyed this um, in a similar way to, uh, reminded me a lot of Hachalison's mm-hmm. uh, red card from a few weeks ago where mm-hmm. there's a little bit of shithousery, uh, this time from Phil Bar- uh, yeah, Bardsley, Bardsley, the, yeah. uh, the Burnley fullback. Um, and he's he's actually kicked out him. So the shithousery was probably worse than Adam Smith from a few weeks ago. But he's um, yeah kicked him, and then Rashford's got up. He's he's looked at the ref like, what the hell is this? But then he's uh, I guess similar to Richarlison's, then sort of taking matters into his own hands, and he's um, mm. I guess done that sort of headbutt that isn't a headbutt that is a headbutt. Why do they go in with their heads? Yeah, they're, no, they're, they're going to get sent off for this. Yeah, ultimately it's you know pretty pre- pretty rash with a lack of forward thinking. Oh, oh <laughs> there it is. All right, you can stay. There it is. <laughs> I mean, but do we think these kind of uh, very soft and very obviously sort of baited red card send offs? Do we do we think that they're a bit soft or a bit stupid? Or both. There needs to be more punishment for the uh, for the person who's actually instigating as well, because I mean I know I know that this has been discussed in the past, but I think baiting obviously to an extent is part of the game. Um, but I mean, you know, there's got to be a point where it's yeah. I mean, because like... you get a yellow card for a simulation, right? And how is this how, how is this that much different? Yeah, yeah I think. Um... This was this was a more extreme example of sort of shithousery and baiting, baiting this time. Mm. I mean, Phil Bardsley's properly kicked him, like, and he's uh, the player Rashford's looked at the ref and said, yeah, "He's kicked me." Like, did you see that? Mm. Whereas in the other example, um, Adam Cook, not Adam Cook, Adam Smith. I can't remember who the player was now. Um, Adam anyway, Smith, I think it's Adam Smith. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My, my notes say Adam Cook, and I'm like, there isn't a player called Adam Cook. Steve Cook. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Anyway, it was well, Adam Cook. Gen- 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 uh, Bournemouth name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, that, it, it didn't really compare, like, uh, the Phil Bardsley, that was proper shithousery and proper proper wind-up tactics there. And, and look, an argument could be made that um, Phil Bardsley could have been sent off for, for kicking him. Um, so he was very, very lucky to get away with that. But ultimately, it didn't hurt me United. They still came away with the win, and um, I guess Rashford will... Come away, nicely rested in great, a couple of weeks' time. And again, great support from Jose, uh, calling him a naive little boy. Uh, so, <laughs> great to see that support for him. He loves to stick the knife in, though, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Classic. All right, why don't we move on to our sort of more general chat of the Premier League so far and international break and whatever else takes our fancy in this international break weekend. All right, lads, uh, international break weekend. We were scratching around during the week putting our collective heads together with uh, what we should talk about, given that there's no Premier League this weekend. So why don't we kick it off by talking about the Premier League? <laughs> <laughs> Seems only natural, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so we're four, four match days into the season so far, and uh, I thought this would be a good juncture to just talk, look back a little bit and talk about uh, a few few big-picture items. Um, so one, one question I had to sort of kick us off was... Um, Table so far, who's over or underperforming for you, Jesse? Well, without putting the knife in at all, um, <laughs> Go on. I'd like to direct this question over to Tommy. Hey! Um, the Think West we Ham. know where this is going? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not a uh, West Ham fan by, by any means, but... Uh, but you're a Liverpool fan who happened to be on top right now? Yeah, but, but <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, 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 do, I do find, um, even as a neutral, I find it 
baffling at times as to how West Ham find themselves in the situation over and over again. But I'll, I'll let you, you know. Mate, as digress. a West Ham fan, I find myself <laughs> baffling, like baffled as to how we're always in this position. Yeah, so yet to win a game, West Ham are definitely one team that made my list of underperformers. Um, anything, anything to say about them in particular, Tommy, resident West Ham fan? I don't know if I really need to add anything that I haven't already said. Yeah, like we've, we've spent a lot of money, new coach. It's going to take time for things to change, but we've still got a really soft sort of underbelly in the middle of the pitch, which is killing us at the moment. So our best player is Mark Noble. Yeah, our best player has been our goalkeeper, who's conceded eight goals. 10 goals. So that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shall we keep going? Yeah. Other underperformers I just wanted to make a quick mention of. um, Also winless, uh, Burnley. Or Burnmouth. Burnmouth, Burnley. You know, struggling at the bottom. I think we sort of predicted in our um, prediction special at the beginning of the season that Burnley might struggle early on with Europa League commitments. Uh, What do we think? Are they they sort of improving now they're out of Europe or...? Look, it's only today when I've been looking at the table again that I realised that they're 19th. They're only a, a point above West Ham. Yeah. So, mm. It's pretty um, shocking. Yeah, it's sort of caught me off guard a little bit how badly they're doing. Like I didn't Because their performances haven't been that bad, but they have been a bit gassed. Not not the same as last year, really, are yeah. they? Yeah. I mean, I had Barnes in my fantasy team last year, and um, he was delivering the goods near the end of the season, <laughs> and um, he hasn't been delivering the goods this season. Um, and I, I think that the truth of the matter is that, yeah, like, They've been a, a squad that hasn't got any flexibility when it comes to the, um, playing more than the one game a week, and yeah. it really shows. So, I mean, yeah, the million-dollar question is can they uh, can they bounce back when they've actually got this Europa off their schedule? Well, one player they did bring in, though, was, was Joe Hart. He's, what, what do you guys think of his performances so far? Still not still not warm to Joe Hart. Bring back Heaton for me. Yep. Yeah, Joe Hart actually um, appeared in the uh, Team Petrov versus Team Milner um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, fundraiser. So um, that's uh, you know good on him. Um, but he's not in my uh, he's not in my uh, form team. Put it that way. Yeah. While we talk about overperformers, uh, for me, Bournemouth on two wins and they've had a very strong start to the season. They have Bournemouth. Bournemouth have been pretty good so far. They've How long competing. can Eddie Howe keep sprinkling this magic dust over a squad that's worth? Probably about six million bucks yeah, every year. They say, everyone says, "Oh, they'll get relegated. They haven't bought anyone. They're like, they're, they're not that I think great." We said it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, he's just he gets great results out of a what a team that has no right to be as good as what they are. Um, so yeah, look, I think like you said, Eddie Howe's done a, an amazing job, and I think it. You sort of wonder, it can only be a matter of time before he goes on to bigger and better things, really. Yeah. Like, where, where's he going to go next? Is he going to go to Spurs after Pochettino leaves? Is he going to go on to the England job? Or what's, what's next? The sky's the limit. Uh, other overperformers um, for me, I just want to make a quick mention of Brighton and Southampton, who put my hand up. I predicted them both to be relegated. Uh, and they've mm. each had a win and a draw. It doesn't mean to say that they're not going to still get relegated, but I just thought I'd um, throw it out there for them. Um, they've had a, a solid start to the season, and Brighton in particular. Well, Brighton yep. knocked off Brighton knocked off uh, Man United. Like, as predicted here on More yeah, Game Podcast. Exactly. And, you know, you'll be the first to remind us if Southampton and Brighton go tumbling down the ladder. 
That's right, I will. <laughs> All right, then moving on. Um, well, there is there is one oh, team that we haven't really mentioned, which I thought we would have, as sort of the biggest overachieving team, which was Watford. Watford, Watford the podcast darlings. That's exactly what I was about to move on to, Tommy. <laughs> so I wanted to give them their segue. own segue, their <laughs> own segment. Do you uh, have one planned? If, because, like, do we need to go back? Or no, no. I mean, you know, now that we're a Watford podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, should, know, we, should we get an Elton John song? It was like sort of part of the we'll intro. Play it in, we'll play it, play it in the background in, in, <laughs> in production. Um, I mean, there's been lots of ominous uh, Watford and Leicester comparisons um, throughout the week. Um, so I think statistically they're, they're quite close in terms of where Leicester were at this time in their title winning season. Yeah. I mean, how, how deep do they have to be into the year in a, in a sort of there or thereabouts position on the ladder for us to start? talking about them seriously. When does it need to be? Does it need to be Col- Christmas? Colby, is your question when when are Watford going to start to flicker like a candle in the wind? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I can't, I can't follow that. Are they going to be <laughs> walking the yellow brick road all the way to the finals? <laughs> well, that's as good as I've got. Like, <laughs> yeah. You've peaked. You've peaked. Exactly. Peaked too early. We've still got another 15 minutes at least. Wow. Wow. Um, but seriously, sorry, Watford. Yeah. What's their ceiling? How far can they go? I think... I think everyone agrees that they're going to drop off eventually, but I, I can't see them lasting beyond about February. Or sorry, it, it, January, because that Christmas period is so tough. So many games coming so quickly. I actually think their next couple of fixtures are, are critical. If they can get results in the next couple, they've got uh, United, Fulham and Arsenal next. All very winnable fixtures for a team of Watford's quality. They've got some some pretty small teams there come up against and some pretty open defences I mean, they're going to be in very, very tidy position if they can uh, get those um, get those out there. And, and we discussed earlier about the state of the, the Spurs team, um, and no disrespect for Watford, but um, you know we, we could say that they caught Tottenham in a good time. So can they um, do that to a, a team like uh, you know City or uh, Liverpool uh, when they're coming through? They're, these are the teams they're going to have to take at least a point off if they're going to stay up there. Having, having said that, though, you, you can only play the teams in front of you and... Like um, that that Spurs team has still got some good results this season, so I, I don't think we should sort of poo-poo too much. If you were poo-pooing Watford, Watford's performance, I won't have you know. poo-pooing <laughs> Watford on this podcast, okay? There shall yeah, be I mean, no Watford poo-pooing here. I mean, I'm not an Elton John fan, but don't hold it against me, guys. <laughs> uh, all right, well, do we want to make some official uh, predictions? Uh, Watford, well, well, let's just let's just take one week at a time. What, Watford, Man United, uh, home or away. Where's it at? Because I feel like that that yeah. is becoming a bigger Critical. bigger deal Critical. for uh, a lot I of these I think games. it might be uh, at Old Trafford, but just let me Google that. Just go keep keep, as, yeah, keep right. talking as um, well. Look, I, I think if it's if it's at Watford, you'd say all right. I, I'd put money on put money on Watford. Not a lot. It's at Old Trafford. Ooh, uh, but, if reckon, it, yeah. but if it was at Old Trafford. Then I'd say this well, has course, got a draw written all over it. Well, of course, Harry Potter world is in Watford, so um, you know, you know, up in Old Trafford, they're a bit further away from that magic, so um, <laughs> they're going to need all the help they can get. Are there a few wizards in Manchester? <laughs> well, they're going to need one. So predictions a draw. Are you both calling a draw? I'm, I'm saying a draw. Score draw, yeah. Score draw. Yeah, I think probably a two-one win to Man United there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to I'm actually going to say that Watford will win one 0 to Watford, <laughs> at Old Trafford. At Old Trafford. Um, this this could be a bit of a, an indication, sort of a, a a bit of a cryptic indication of how Watford are going to go for the rest of the season. If Lukaku scores, it means 
he's still a flat track bully, and it means Watford are going to drop off immediately. If Lukaku doesn't score, it means that Watford are actually going to be a good They're team. They're a big team, team because you yeah. can't cut it against the big exactly, teams. Exactly, exactly. So. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, all right, it's probably probably timely that we should move on. <laughs> next next item in our international break action agenda. Um, I want to give a quick mention to the UEFA Nations League, boys. Um, and it's going to be a quick mention because uh, no one really knows what it is. And I mean, you know, if, if Harry Maguire can't figure it out, then, you know, I'll be damned if I can figure it out. He's a smart guy, isn't he? <laughs> he's uh, he's, he's up his head a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I'll see myself out. From... <laughs> From what I've been able to gather, uh, UEFA has created the Nations League to replace international friendlies and add a competition which would sort of double as the main qualifying campaign for the Euros in 2020. Um, so it involves all 55 uh, UEFA teams into a league, and that's sort of broken up into four mini leagues. And the main thrust of that is that there's going to be promotion and relegation as well. So you have the you have the top teams playing each other, and you have the sort of bottom teams playing each other. So you don't have these um, international friendlies where you've got a sort of a Spain against the Faroe Islands and, mm. you know, they're on a mm. hiding to nothing mm. and it means nothing to the Spanish players. So All the Faroe Islands players. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's that's something that I like about it. There still are going to be those friendlies from time to time and I still do think they have a place in the international, um, the international breaks as well. Um, who, who do you think has the most to gain from this? That top tier or the bottom tier? Bottom tier, definitely. Um, I, I don't know exactly how this works, and I think you'd have to have some kind of a, a master's degree in um, aero engineering or, or something to work it out. But um, there, there's actually uh, a few wildcard spots. I don't really know how they work, but um, and that's the confusing yeah, part of this, isn't it? I, the competition itself isn't difficult to grasp. But I think what they're trying to create is another sort of Iceland story, or give another, you know, uh, a, bit a romance, chance, a bit, of, a bit of romance, bring a bit of romance back to it. Does do you have any thoughts on, on yeah. that? Faroe Islands for the next World Cup? Yeah, <laughs> Jesse, any any thoughts on? I mean, I, on this? I gee, I hate the international break. Um, I just, you know, it's been dull the last I, week, hasn't it? And I mean, we've just we've just finished the World Cup, and and, and you know, it was great. Um, but uh, I was just starting to get back into the Premier League, and here we are mm. talking about the Nations League. Yeah, like wake me up, wake me up when it's the Euros. But I mean, even if you call it a competition and put a trophy at the end of it, I'm still not really going to tune in. It's hard to it's sort of it's sort of hard to get excited when there's four divisions as well. I think yeah. that. Mm. Um, yeah, you need a big spreadsheet to work it out. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, all right. Um, still staying in Europe, I guess. Well, nominally in Europe because potentially in Miami. Uh, the La Liga uh, fixture that's going to be played in the US. Uh, Tommy, Girona and Barca in Miami. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you want to say about that? I hate this so much. <laughs> um, and there's a couple of, a couple of things I hate about it. One is that it's, it's actually Girona's home game that is getting moved over to the state. So you're taking a small side, and I'll put an asterisk there, because I'll come back to that in a second. Taking a small side and then um, one of their biggest sort of match days of the season is when the when Real Madrid and Barcelona and Atletico, when mm. they come to town. And they've taken that away from, like, that, that small town and their fans, which, frankly, I think it sucks. Like, yeah, like, they've thrown yeah. up, uh, according to uh, according to the book, Facebook, uh, 1,500 free flights for season ticket holders, uh, possibly of an overnight stay. Uh, for those Drona fans that are not attending, uh, 5,000 free tickets for the first game against Barcelona at the new Camp. But it's like, well, you want to go to a home game. Like, you know, yeah, you get to go to Barcelona to the new camp, and that's great as a tourist, but, like, 
want to see your team play at home in front of like at, at your house. Mm. You can't. Um, it's it's just yeah. I hate it. The other thing I guess the asterisk is um, so Girona I'm pretty sure are owned by um, the City Football Group. Now mm. something that only occurred to me is that. I don't know if there's any other team uh, sort of in La Liga other than maybe Real Madrid or Atletico, one of those big teams who might have actually said, they might have actually agreed to this. Um, whereas Girona, I just talked to them, I just called them a small team from a small town, but um, they're owned by a big team from a big town, uh, a team that is would be really interested in uh, lots of games being played overseas. So I think, um, yeah, this, this whole thing, it really undermines, I guess, where football is right now and has come from and it's all about where football is trying to go at the big end of town. I mean, not to detract, but um, I really hear remember my Girona. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I honestly, I think there's, a, I think there's something there. I think, something in that. I think if they got that chant going and, you know, put a copyright on it, um, <laughs> they could probably pay for the tickets for all the fans. Well, and tell, it, tell it to all the Barcelona fans in Miami. <laughs> yeah. there's, uh, there's something there. I, I just want to say one thing about this and then I think we'll move on. Um, I have significantly less sympathy than than you, I think, Tommy. Um, I mean, yes, the Girona fans aren't going to get to see Barcelona when they roll into town, but it's one year and one season. Maybe they'll maybe they'll go back down and they won't ever get another chance to play Barcelona at home again. This but, is how it starts. Just one oh, game. The floodgates theory. Yeah. I don't know about this. Um, I mean. The notion of your team as well is, is sort of changing in the way that football's consumed these days. Your team isn't necessarily confined to national borders. I mean, we yep. sit here, you're a West Ham fan. Uh, Jesse and I are Liverpool my fans. My people, my people. And, um, <laughs> you know, people consume football differently across continents, time zones. Um, you know, the the nature of broadcasts are changing. Um, I think you, I think you can watch fa- football on Facebook or Amazon yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Mm, yeah. And Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Or a uh, paid for Optus Sports subscription. Um, but I think this is really where football's going. Um, and uh, and I agree with you because I can I agree with your point that this is where football is going. But I guess what I, my point is is that I don't like where football is going in this respect. I mean, David Beckham must have something to say about all this. You know? <laughs> yeah, good point. He's, he's in Miami. Played, played in his backyard. Yeah. yeah. Um, more on that in a second? Oh, potentially, potentially. Yeah. Um, moving on to the FIFA Football Awards. So during the week, um, FIFA's put out the finalists, uh, which is the short list to their, what they call the best awards. Um, <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> Almost as bad as the UEFA Nations League. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and basically, the, re- the results of those is made up from votes from national team coaches, team captains, journalists, and fans in a sort of what I understand to be a 25% or a quarter um, proportion of each group. Um, and I just wanted to call out a few. I don't want to talk about them all because who does? Um, <laughs> one is obviously the FIFA men's best, the FIFA best men's player. Uh, the short just list rolls of, off the tongue, doesn't it? Oh, it's it's like poetry. Uh, the short list there is uh, Ronaldo, Modric, and Mo Salah. Conspicuously, no Lionel Messi. Boys, do we care? Yeah, it's kind of surprising because he still had a fantastic season for for Barcelona, yeah. and uh, they still won the league. They they bowed out. Uh, was it the quarterfinals in the Champions League? Memory, sorry, yeah, right. I think I don't, don't quite remember that. Questions right. without notes, yeah, yeah pretty, pretty right. confident, yeah. Um, and so, like, if, if that's the only only thing that sort of cost him a little bit, then 
I mean, you'd arguably say that he had as, as good a season as Ronaldo did, but oh. he just didn't win the Champions League. And I don't understand what the actual voting criteria are. I understand that there are groups that vote for who they think is the best footballer and, you know, they look at things like goals and trophies and sort of success in their respective teams over over the calendar year. But, I mean, Messi's just the best footballer on the planet. He needs to be in this list. I think that if you look at those, that the people that are in that list and the players that are in that list, you look at Salah's performances for Egypt in the lead up to the World Cup. Modric's performance for Croatia and I mean I know Ronaldo didn't really get a lot further than Messi in the World Cup but he did win the Champions League I think that these mm. these are the, the fine margins and you have to win big tournaments to be able to get into this shortlist mm. don't you like obviously Croatia they made it to the final mm. and Modric uh, won the Champions League with Real Madrid as well so he's kind of yeah he was he won the golden ball at the World Cup as the, as the best player um, so I think he deserves to be in there he's had yeah. an amazing season and he's been He's been really part of the engine room at Real Madrid for the last couple of years. He's been an unsung hero there. Um, but it's sort of only now that Croatia made the final of the, the World Cup that he was able to sort of get some recognition. So. And it's a huge achievement. And I mean, perhaps you'd drop Mo Salah out of that list then, as much as the Liverpool supporter in me hates to say it. But, you know, yes, he's very important for Egypt and he was very important for them in the qualifiers to the World Cup. But they did nothing at the World Cup. Liverpool, yes, they got to the did Champions League the final. League as well. They did win it, um, and he did score Liverpool it. finished fourth in the Premier League. He did um, score a lot of goals, though, and he won a load of goals. And won some awards in uh, in England, so... I was going to say, in Egypt. <laughs> like, oh, give him to him political, now! Political, political. Yeah. No, no, awards with the Egyptian FA. That's, that's oh, right. Oh, yeah, true. Um, so the FIFA Best Women's Player, um, there'll be some uh, familiar names or unfamiliar names, depending on how closely you're following... Um, Women's international football. Uh, Ada Hergerberg and Desenifa Marozan. Apologies for my pronunciation. <laughs> I know I know um I've got very I've got a reputation as a very inconsistent pronouncer of names. No, you're consistent. Consistently wrong. Consistently. <laughs> and uh, Marta. And conspicuously no Sam Kerr. Well the the best player in the world is absent. The guy. Yeah. Um I mean I've got a <laughs> I've obviously got an issue with this as a as a fan of hers, but I mean she's been setting all kinds of records. She's just got the the top goal scorer again um, in the NWSL. Um, she's uh, got that record for two years in a row. Um, she's what has she got to do? Yeah, she's a, the fourth Australian to win the twenty seventeen AFC Women's Player of the Year. She won that in November last year. Um, you know, she was the golden boot winner in the W League. Um, she's just banging down all kinds of records. Um, I don't know what she has to do to get on there. It's not the first time she's been snubbed. And also the Young Australian of the Year as well. Yeah. Just just a good good lass. But, yeah. <laughs> just a great Australian. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really disappointing, I guess. Like, you sort of wonder if there's a little bit of a cultural cringe from sort of some of the, uh, some of the coaches and captains and, and so on that, that vote for this around the world. Um, yeah, again, what does she need to do? Like, does she need to win the World Cup? There's a couple of players there that yeah. didn't win anything and still got nominated. She could do it. Yeah. Next year. Anyway, uh, what the only other the only other category that I wanted to give a quick mention to is the FIFA Pushkas Award. Uh, only because our young boy, Riley McGree, is in there with that scorpion kick. Um, a couple of the others, I'll just read them out. Uh, Gareth Bale, uh, that overhead kick... Um, Against Liverpool. Forgettable. Uh, forgettable. <laughs> uh, Sherishev for his goal against Croatia. 
And arguably, he could have also been in there for his goal against Saudi Arabia, but perhaps that was a little bit um, a little bit easier, but it was still a fantastic goal. Um, Messi for his goal against Nigeria, and Pavar for his goal against Argentina. A few, few cracking goals in there. Anything standing out for any of you? I think the, the Riley McGree goal is is probably one of the most spectacular, along with um, Bale's goal. Mm. I think those probably between those two is... Have you ever seen a more freakish goal in our history? <laughs> oh, I, mean, I mean, years ago we were, you know, people were losing their mind over the uh, the Rooney goal versus Man City. And, I mean, since then, I mean, you look at the, 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 the Gareth Bale goal and it's just ridiculous technique. Yeah. Ridiculous technique. I, I actually think Ronaldo's one was better, though. Well, he, he got a standing ovation. Yeah, um, And, true. you know, here's Ronaldo and he did end up going to that club. But... <laughs> I think Bale's one for me the speed of, at which the ball was uh, travelling and, and, and it was it was so improvised mm. the, the moment and, as well and the moment in the game yeah and the moment oh. of the game and the, the, the biggest stage of all yeah yeah uh, alright well next next item on the international break agenda um, of course it is mascot chat yeah so we we posted <laughs> something on uh, on the More Than A Game uh, Facebook page this week and um, big call out to, to Damien Jennings yeah, Damon, um, who, on, who pointed us towards the uh, Partick or Patrick Thistle? Partick Thistle. Partick Thistle is so the Scottish yeah, team, aren't they? They, they are, and they, they've <laughs> unveiled their new mascot um, on Twitter um, earlier, really, earlier in, I think it was last week or the week before. How would you call it? How would you describe it? <laughs> well, he sort of looks like a melty sun with oh, legs. I was thinking a retarded sun. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I've got one here, the Telegraph. Have uh, given us a bit of information on this, and um, his name is apparently Kingsley, uh, and he's designed by an artist and inspired by a new commercial sponsor, Kingsford Capital Management. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and the Telegraph's view is that uh, his head looks like Lisa Simpson if she had been tortured, then melted, and addicted to crystal meth for a while. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... So it's, uh, oh, wow. I guess you could say it's pretty accurate. Yeah, no, it's mm. spot on. Yeah, spot bang on, on. I think. Bang on. <laughs> yeah, so we just wanted to call that out um, because, uh, you know, Mascot Chat has succeeded the Bolt Report in um, the new the new favourite segment of the More Than A Game podcast. <laughs> oh, fantastic. You think you've seen it all. All right, uh, being an international uh, break this week, we've we've got less Premier League to talk about, but um, we have asked a, a few uh, more than a game uh, regular listeners to to throw us a few questions, and and this week we'll be starting with regular more than a game podcast co-host um, Andy Kay. So Andy, takes away. Oh, good day, boys. It's uh, Andy here. Um, sorry, I can't make it today. I still wanted to be a part of the show in some manner, so I've got a question for Colby. It's uh, multifaceted. Um, now, I understand you saw the phone question. on Gumtree last week. My questions for you are, one, how much did you sell it for? Two, was it easy to find the market price for Dictaphone? Three, who bought it? And are you worried that you'll ever regret selling it? And finally, what Premier League spud manager needs to give himself the biggest talking to? <laughs> okay, few few questions there. I'll give you a few answers. And you won't get answers from anyone else because that question was purely aimed yeah. at Colby. Very yeah, personal. I love a personalised question. I really want to give my thoughts on the dictaphone, <laughs> but no, last not this week. 50 bucks. Googled the model and marked it down. An elderly gentleman named Albert. I hopefully won't regret it, but I did leave some uni notes on there. Uh, and <laughs> What is that bonus material? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, more Murata. 
less flowy t-shirts. Thanks, Interesting. Andy. Interesting. <laughs> Keep the questions coming. Um, Jesse, did you have a, a manager that you think needs to, needs to give themselves a talking to? I mean, mine's not so much the manager um, that's actually going to give themselves a talking to, but it's more, you know, Mourinho and Pellegrini would be the two that I'd choose. And, you know... If you sat those two pe- people next to each other on the school bus, it wouldn't exactly, uh, you know, light up the uh, entertainment. <laughs> uh, I just think I think that both of them are probably at a point where they are not really in favour with the media, and they're going to have to do a U-turn uh, to get back on side with the fans as well. Yeah, interesting times. Um, mine would probably be uh, Guardiola because I think he would not be uh, impressed with his team's performances this year, especially dropping so many points that they have. So, look, he'd be really wanting to get things back on track as soon as possible. Two whole points. <laughs> what a spud. Um, all right, so the next question is from uh, Andy Budniak. Um, now, there's a, a little bit of a pause here, so... He's just getting himself set up. Yeah, he's just getting comfortable for the question. Hi, Tom, Colby and Andy. It's Butte. I'm loving the pod, and I've uh, got a question for you guys. So my question is about uh, TV deals in the Premier League bringing in so much money, far more than other European teams on average. And I want to know how you guys see the future of European and world football panning out over the next 10 years. Will we start to see such competition in the Premier League that European football will be dominated by English teams, or will Barca, Real Madrid, Munich, PSG still be able to compete? Thanks very much. Interesting. Great question. Great, great question. question. Great question. If only we had a dictaphone here so that we could actually record these types <laughs> of questions. Um, great question. Jesse, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I think it comes down to the owners. So, I mean, um, you know. Of the English clubs or of the, the continental clubs? Well, at the moment, it's it's the continental clubs. It's it's, uh, it's all the money um, behind PSG and, um, and, and Real Madrid. And, and, and a lot of this is uh, that money goes deep at the moment. And it's obviously you're able to buy whoever you want. Mm. Um, until the Premier League have that kind of money um, behind them, the, the backing, and until the owners come and have that kind of money, then I, I can't see it changing too much. I think Bud's question was that the Premier League, or the, the the assertion that he made was that the Premier League does have that kind of money, obviously with the exceptions of PSG and um, doing it with the money, and then the, the Real Madrid's and the Barca's doing it with, I guess, comparatively uh, less money now. Um, but there is more and more money coming into the Premier League, and will that translate into European results? I mean, our record signings, I mean, I say our in the Premier League, um, compared to um, the other leagues with La Liga, and, and, and you think about Neymar's fee, we're not quite on the same page yet. Oh, but, but PSG, I think, is... They're, they're the anomaly there, and I guess they're a bit of an artificial example. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you still got Barcelona and Real Madrid that are spending big money, but I guess... Outside of maybe those three clubs, mm. Barca, Real Madrid, PSG, I don't think anyone else is really spending silly money at the moment. So what do you think? Are the Premier League clubs going to be able to make more of a dent in Europe in the next um, sort of 10 years or not? I think um, the, the money in the Premier League is, is creating, I guess, an environment where sort of outside the top six, the league is, is very competitive. Um, but I think what you're also seeing is all of those teams outside of the top six, and including the top six in England, they're also cherry-picking all of the best players from across Europe outside of those top three, sort of PSG, Barca, PSG, uh, sorry, and who's the other team? 
the third team that I didn't mention. Anyway, and they're weakening all of those other teams in the Spanish league and the Italian league and so on. And it's I think it's actually contributing to sort of the uncompetitive nature of the, the Spanish league and the French league. Um, but at the same time, it's making the English league sort of from 7th through to 20th much more balanced and much more interesting. So, competitive, yeah. Um, so that's a yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't really know. If I don't really know if I'm disagreeing or agreeing. With I think this you're point. agreeing with him. I think I think we'll take that as uh, you agree, or oh, you're you're saying yes that the Premier League teams will will make more of a splash in Europe in the next uh, ten years. So you heard it here first. Uh, should we get to? Buds has actually got a second question. Yeah, he's for got us he's today. got a second great question he's as well. So. Go on, Buds. He gets comfortable at, at the beginning as well in the second one. Hi, lads. It's Bud again. So this time I've got a question and I want to know your best five-a-side team. Although the rules are, one player has got to be from the team that you support personally. One's from Australia, but not Tim Cahill, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. One's from your team's rival, one's a retired player, and one is from the A-League. Once you've picked your teams, decide who would win between the three of you. Ooh, spicy question. Right, I'll go first because I loved this. You thought about this <laughs> question for about a day. Yeah, yeah that's that's being generous. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so starting from the back, my um, <laughs> my team. <laughs> and look, there's no real what formation. Form- are you play? Well, they don't really play a formation. Like, this is <laughs> this is a proper futsal team, and they are totally interchangeable. So look, I've started with uh, an Australian in goal, Matty Ryan, uh, which I, I believe could be a popular choice, um, and I, I've picked. I've picked a five-a-side team, a futsal team, so I think they would be very good as a full, as a futsal team. So Matty Ryan in goal. <clears throat> then I've picked um, Isaias, the um, the Spanish player who plays for Adelaide United um, uh, from from the A League. Then I've picked uh, Manuel Lenzini, the um, the Argentinian playmaker who plays for for West Ham, currently injured, but this is this is hypothetical, so mm-hmm. he gets in. Um, then from my rival, from West Ham's rival, I've picked Eden Hazard from Chelsea. Um, and then finally, as a retired player, I've picked the one and only on Arginia. So, um, uh, a five of Manzini, uh, sorry, Lanzini, uh, Matty Ryan, Hazard, Isaias, and Hona- on Arginia. Right. Well, that's um, hard, probably hard act to follow. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to jump in here, guys, and I'm going to go uh, with my Liverpool player uh, being my team. I'm going to I'm going to put Navi Cater in there. Um, early days, but I think he'd be a great. Five side player. Um, you don't need that much of an engine to be a five side player, though. No, just not that big, is it? <laughs> I mean, he's got a great turn, though, doesn't he? Um, just going over to the uh, the New Zealand player that I'd have on the team. Hey, um, that'd be the uh, the Kiwi Messi, Marco Rojas. Oi, I um, think he'd be great in futsal. Yeah, he was named Wee Man when I first watched him play. So uh, <laughs> great player. Um, he's moved on since then. Yes. Where is he um, these days? Well, I mean, last season in Stuttgart, but um, we'll move on from that anyway. Uh, <laughs> Man United, uh, being the uh, obvious rival, um, mm. Eric Cantona, the king. Wow. Yeah, um, I think he'd be an absolute menace. Yep. Um, yeah. uh, the he'd, be that, he'd be that bloke that you hate to play against, but you're so glad that he's on your team. That's right. You know, and, and, and he'd probably get a few of the other team, um, other, other players sent off. Um, <laughs> we've got from the A-League, um, the obvious choice, Usain Bolt. Hey! <laughs> oh, bolt watch. Uh, no bolt, or maybe Issian. Oh no, sorry, I guess. Um, we're going to go with uh, Riley McCree for the scorpion kick. Um, oh, if we need a scorpion kick, we'll ask Riley. And um, the last member of the team, the retired player, would be uh, Pele. 
um, oh. who arguably um, could probably just, you know, run to the entire team anyway. So, Well, he's getting on a bit these days, isn't he? Yeah, well. <laughs> in their prime. That's a shame. In their prime. Look, very, very tasty team there. All right, well, I've had to change a few of mine on the fly uh, due to a couple of clashes with uh, Tommy FC. Um, so I'm going to go from back to front as well. And from Liverpool, I'm going to go with Allison in goals. Uh, can play with his feet. Sometimes. Yeah, just, uh, just don't get him down into the corner with uh, trying to do a cross turn or anything like that. Sitting in front of him from uh, Liverpool's rivals, I'm actually going to go for Marco Rojo uh, for a utility at the back and pretty good with his feet also. Interesting. Uh, from the Socceroos, uh, instead of uh, Matty Ryan, who I did have, I'm going to go for Tommy Rogic, who oh, uh, nice. started out in the futsal ruse. Yeah. So he can, can, definitely knows his way around a futsal pitch. He does. Um from the A-League, I'm going to go all-round good guy and small guy. He's the right size for the pitch, Ma- Matty McKay. Uh. <laughs> He'd keep everyone in line. There'd be no fights. <laughs> oh. I hate uh, this so much. My retired player, I uh, did have Dino, but I'm going to go for David Villa. Ooh, oh, well. very nice. Yeah. I think he'd be good at football as well. Yeah. Uh, short player. Yeah, great distribution from McKay. Yeah, he'd, he'd be... He'd be <laughs> Pinging the corners probably unintentionally <laughs> yeah. for, for the attack. He's a midfield rocker, right? Uh, all right, so who who would win? So who would win? Um, well, obviously, my team, obviously right? my team. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've agreed that Jesse's team is going to be knocked out. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't said anything, so yeah, he's cooked. I yeah, I mean yeah, I think we just you know agree to disagree. <laughs> <on that one. laughs> all right, maybe maybe we'll put a poll out. Yeah, actually, that's a good idea. Yeah. We'll put, put that one up on the book yeah. and Twitter. Um, so anyway, the, the final question comes from uh, Mark Bignall. So, uh, Biggs, take it away. G'day, guys. After four match days last year, there'd been 31 clean sheets and 101 goals scored. After four match days this season, there's been only 20 clean sheets and 116 goals scored. This year, there seems to be more an emphasis on attacking fullbacks, such as Alonso, Robertson, and Mendy, for example. Are teams this season less concerned about defending and more hopeful that they are just going to outscore the opposition? What are your thoughts? All right, great question, Biggs. Great, great question. question. Great question. Again, near that dictaphone, so we can really capture all this uh, <laughs> great content. Um, but look, um, so... I'll I'll start off, boys, by by trying to answer. Um, for for me this season, um, there's a couple of teams that are jumping out who previously were a little bit more defensive. So specifically, probably uh, West Ham and Everton are probably the two that jump out immediately. Um, who their fans said, no, we don't want to be playing five at the back. We want to be playing attacking, expansive football. Um, but then the I guess the second part of my answer is that. Um, the three teams that have come up this year, I think they're very different to the three teams that came up last year. So if you compare, I guess, specifically Huddersfield... Um, who, who, who's the other team that came up last year? Hudd- Cardiff. Huddersfield, Cardiff Brighton. and Brighton. You compare those three with oh, Wolves, last year. Fulham... Hmm. Um, Cardiff. Wolves, Fulham and Cardiff. Yeah, sorry. If, specifically, I guess, uh, I want to bring us back to Fulham and Wolves, the two of the, uh, the favourites here on the pod... Um, but they have a very different philosophy and they're not about sitting five at the back and um, and just sitting back and hoping to, to get goals um, on the, the counter-attack or at, um, 
or at set pieces, they want to go out, they want to dominate the ball, and they want to score lots of goals. Uh, Fulham have looked really open. They look like they look like they want to play like a top six team, and um, they're going to score a lot of goals, I think, but they're also going to concede a lot as well. And so, I guess, what my point is uh, to answer the question is that I think there's there's a real philo- uh, philo- philosophy change this year where a lot of the coaches now are saying, well, yeah, we want to play attacking football. So I think it's more of a philosophical uh, a change in approach by a lot of the managers in the league. So what you're saying is, yeah, there's been a philosophical shift and part of the reason for that is that the, the new teams that have come into the league have also had that philosophy because, I mean, you've also seen a change um, in management and Arsenal and Chelsea and, and um, with the result of both of those being more attacking football and and less, less sort of defending uh, for better or for worse. At, less at each less of those structured well. play, I guess yes, maybe you call yes. it. We, less we, measured structured. Play. We've just come off like the back of a couple of years where teams that were parking the bus um, were able to pick up points mm. and and get through. And and you, you, the the I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you see teams like Wolves and Fulham come up and West Brom slide out of the competition. I mean, West Brom were that team. They would just, they would just pack, pack, um, park the bus and just sit tight and just stay right in the mid-table. Um, I actually reckon, just to touch on the the, uh, the part where he's talking about the fullbacks pressing forward, I think that the fullbacks have been identified as the key. Mm. So a team can, like Burnley, can still park the bus, can still sit deep, but if you've got Robertson, you've got Mendy, you've got Bellary Trippier... and Alonso, yeah, the list goes on, doesn't that, it? ...that are willing to be like, well, <laughs> if you're not going to um, come forward and, and mark me, I'm just going to tuck behind you um, and, and, and flirt with that offside line. Um, that's, that's been identified as the way around. So, I mean, these players are all excelling, and I don't think it's a coincidence. The fullbacks are pretty prominent. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and I think we've seen a move from... Uh, sort of pure counter-attacking football a la title-winning season for Leicester in fashion to more transition play. So you're still still getting, um, you're still getting, you know, what looks like a counter-attack, but it's a more flowing transition game than a pure sit-back, absorb pressure and counter-attack. And I think that's that change of philosophy that you were were sort of talking about, Tommy, Um, where where that that has been the shift. And I guess to answer um, Mark's question, that that was the... um, that, that's, I guess, one of the reasons uh, for, for this outcome that, that he sort of set up in his question. So yeah. a shift to focusing on the transition rather than sort of where, you, where on the pitch you're actually defending. I don't, yeah. I don't think as a Premier League team you can, you can just survive by just, just parking the bus now. I think that teams are, have, have found a way to get around you. Yeah. And um, that's why, as you said in an earlier podcast, there's, 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 it's hard to put a finger on who's actually a mid-table team now. I mean, it's like, you know, everyone's having a go and... That's actually mixing the table up a lot. I think it actually makes the league a hell of a lot more exciting to watch as well. Like this season, I mean, I can't remember the the exact stat. I think it was in the question, but there's been barely any clean sheets held by mm. any team, and it's just it makes for fantastic viewing. I've really enjoyed all the football so far. And poor fantasy results. Yeah, yeah. Last year, defenders were <laughs> so if, important. Good if you've good if you've got fullbacks though. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think great question though. Great. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the question. Um, keep them coming, guys. Though, if we if we get a few like this every week, we'll look to uh, look to read them out and and respond. You can find us on More Than a Game podcast on Twitter and Facebook, and you can also send questions into Cats Football Press on Facebook. Um, also, if you've got the Anchor app, you yeah. can also send questions to us directly. Um, Yeah, cool. Get around them.
Well, that'll just about do it for this international break madness. Thanks for listening again. Next week, we'll be back to talk, well, probably about as much Premier League as we did tonight, to be quite honest. Uh, Match day five of the Premier League and more. In the meantime, if you ever miss an episode or you want to subscribe, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. While you're there, rate us, leave us a review, or send us a voicemail asking, well, basically anything you want. Until this time next week, enjoy the football.